0: So I first uh, heard about Aaron Smith Levin. I think it was. Uh, I think I might have seen something about him on Tony's blog. I can't remember, but it's in the last few years. And uh, and then I've I've on and off I've been following some of his uh, videos. And then I saw that he got a spot on uh, Scientology in the aftermath. He's a good friend of Mike Rinder's. He, oh, that's where, I, that's where I saw him first. In uh, Growing Up in Scientology, his, uh, his video channel uh, where he interviewed Mike Rinder. That was very um, interesting to me because when Mike Rinder got out in 2009 and went over to Marty's blog, he was an independent Scientologist. And at that time, if you questioned uh, L. Ron Hubbard or the technology of Scientology, Uh, You were considered, you know, persona non grata over at Marty's blog. And Mike Render was one of the chief people who would make you persona non grata there. So I watched his interviews with Mike Render that lasted hours. And uh, that's where I saw the complete change in Mike Render. He finally began to completely. Criticize Elron Hubbard himself and the technology and that 's the first place that I saw him actually do it and I wrote a blog post about it at the time, and the two of them had a very intelligent you know rational conversation, which I found to be really refreshing you know it, at the time it was just a discussion that wasn 't filled with a bunch of emotion people weren 't you know standing up and shaking their fists about how Scientology is a criminal organization and, you know, murder, all all the stuff that exes just go completely hysterical over. That wasn't in that conversation at all between Mike Rinder and Aaron Smith-Levin, and I was very impressed by that. So then I see him appear on um, Scientology The Aftermath. I also see the pictures of him winning an Emmy, okay, a critic of Scientology who has won an Emmy—that—that is—that's uh, quite something. I'm telling you, 18 years of Scientology watching, and I watched a critic on YouTube, and he's got an Emmy behind him in his shot. Okay, and why does he have an Emmy there? Because he fucking won it. That's—that's <laughs> that's unique. That is a—that is a history making event i don't think anybody really recognizes this there's never been a critic who's won an emmy and aaron smith levin did and he proudly showed it in the shot in one of his one of his videos and i was totally impressed just blown away at that development in scientology criticism so uh and i got to know him a little bit in some exchanges i had with him Associated with uh, the Facebook group that he began started, the official supporters of Leo Remini, Scientology in the aftermath, Facebook group. It's a secret group. Okay, you have to be let in. You can be kicked out, as I was kicked out. Uh, I think the question that I asked in that group, which got me kicked out, was very specifically are all minority religions considered cults? And it was on a Saturday at around 6 here in the cornfields. And so it was Saturday afternoon for some, Saturday night for another group. And uh, the conversation got really lively. It never went off the rails. There was never anybody yelling or insulting anybody. But the discussion was just very lively, and it was excellent. But then Chris Shelton, who is... One of the more, um, he, you know, when he was in Scientology, he used to enforce Scientology philosophy and ideology down on the people who ran ran the tech divisions in all of the organizations in the Western United States. So when you have a job like that, you are, you are the chief priest basically. You. You make sure the ideology remains pure in all of these people who are running all of these organizations. And you do that on the phone. You do that through telexes. You do it through, you know, pulling people in for ethics handling. You know, if the Kansas City org stats are down, Chris could pull in an, uh, a tech person or or some other person for handling. And handling meant... Write up your overts and withholds, all the things that you've done wrong. And then uh, find out what your condition is. And then once you've worked yourself up out of lower conditions, which you're going to be in a lower condition, motherfucker, because you're here in L.A. when you should be back at your org. And, you know, they, they ordered you out there under, you know, threat of declare. And then once you get there, you're blamed for being there. And... You're in a lower condition because you're there. So you have to apply these ethics conditions. This is all ideological reconditioning. This is, this is getting rid of the um, thoughts that a person has which are not loyal to the ideology, number one. And then the times he has been disloyal to the ideology, number two. This is all Marxist reconditioning. O.W. write-ups themselves came right out of Maoist reconditioning camps. They used to write down on pieces of paper their overts to communist ideology and Maoist ideology. That is, it was a huge part of the reconditioning camps, the Maoist reconditioning camps. It was either that or you were murdered. See, so, so if you went here, you could re-educate yourself to be a loyal person that is completely loyal to the ideology and does not ever stray from it. Well, this is what Chris did. This is what he did to all the people that ran tech divisions and some of the other people in uh, organizations around the United, Western United States. And his whole job was to detect when a person was being disloyal to the philosophy or the ideology. If there's one small outpoint. Then Chris begins to, OK, that guy's got a he's got an overt there or he's got an MU or he's got something going on with him. I know all those those conversations. And that's what Chris did all day, every day for eight years is basically uh, make sure that the ideology is pure with these people who are running organizations. And if there's any sign that they're, they're going off the ideology in any way, pull them out for reconditioning and then send them back in when they're done. That's, that was Chris's job, okay? So he really hasn't spotted the simplicity of this. He really hasn't gotten that he's doing the exact same thing that he did to COs and EDs anyway. This was Chris's target for ideological purification. And he's doing the same thing as an anti-Scientologist. He is picking people for targeting for ideological purification. And if they're found to be not ideological pure, and this time the anti-Scientology ideology, then they must be banned. And Chris has been doing this for a long time with me and a lot of other people. He is ensuring that the ideology remains pure among anti-Scientologists. No questioning of anybody. No, nothing but the uh, the ideologically pure Line so Chris is an enforcer of that, and he he is obviously he is self-taught. Well, he learned it in the Sea Org. Ron Hubbard taught him, but he's not self-untaught yet on this, and he really needs to be because he's one of the most intolerant, non-intellectually honest, smart people I've ever met, and it's really I'm positive that if he just would begin to spot this in himself, it would go away finally. He's only been out for four or five years and he's been getting lots of admiration for being Mr. Anti-Scientology. And so as Mr. Anti-Scientology, that pressure to remain Mr. Anti-Scientology is very strong and to hold the line firm. It's how he got there by expressing very eloquently and very clearly some of the most poignant and cutting phraseology For the anti-scientology ideology phraseology for the ideology that's that's chris shelton he develops the phraseology for the ideology of anti-scientologists and he enforced it when he was a scientologist so uh so so in the conversations between aaron and chris you can see the interplay between them where aaron disagrees in a way that is much more intellectually honest than Chris Shelton does. It's unfortunate uh, that Chris doesn't see this yet in himself, but it is instructional. And you can take a look at what Aaron and Chris do together, and you can see two different types of approaches to the anti-Scientology ideology. One of them is a hardline orthodox approach, which must follow, you know, the ideology and the other is a more questioning one that can question deep, things deeper, you know, question the, the points in the ideology itself. It can examine the anti-Scientology ideology and see where it's being hypocritical. It can examine it and see where it's being effective. Whereas Chris, he, none of that, he, he's capable of thoroughly examining all of that. But that's not what he's about, see, He's not about that. He's about holding the ideological line pure. So so it's it's fun to watch those two, but that's where I first began to really understand that Aaron Smith Levin is more intellectually honest than your than your normal anti-Scientologist. And so when when I saw him, I told him I knew that I would end up being banned from the Facebook um, group. Not because I was going to, I was going to cause any fights or make people angry or insult anyone or none of that, none of that. It had to do with the ideology and its purity. And I knew that that would be the reason for my demise in this particular Facebook group. But because Aaron Smith Levin is the guy who accepted me in it, I even said my first post was Aaron Smith Levin has huge ass balls. Because he letting me into this group, he knew, he knew what he was taking on. See, so I did a couple more posts that got taken down. I can't remember those. They were put up and taken down so fast. I can't remember what they were about. But Aaron Smith Levin contacted me. Can I should I call him A S L or because that's just so it's like such a mouthful. Aaron, I'm just gonna call him Aaron. Okay, so Aaron gets a hold of me, back channel, and he says, hey man, why are you being such a Debbie Downer? Okay, this is, he literally said that. He used the phrase Debbie Downer with me. And I said, well, you know, oh, oh, it was because I posted the stats. I posted the stats as reported by TV, by the numbers of, of the show. And I didn't say anything. I just posted the stats for the show. That's why I guess I was being a Debbie Downer because, from the 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 initial pilot episode in the first season down to where it is now, it's about half the viewership. But it's steady. It's a steady half of the viewership, and steadiness is good. Steadiness is good. So I I'm not, I am not, um, I am not trying to put down the show. I'm trying to talk about information that the that the ideology doesn't want talked about. The ideology is you only talk about it when it's up. You never talk about it when it's down. So I just showed what it was. I didn't even talk about it when it was down, before the post was taken down. So Aaron's getting a hold of me to handle me, okay? And he's asking me why I was being such a Debbie Downer. And so I said, listen, most of these people who are coming in here, all right, they... Uh, They're, for lack of a better term, well, non-scientologists. I was going to call them wogs, you know, but I didn't. I call them non-scientologists, I'm pretty sure. Maybe I just said they were from the real world. And and so then, I can't remember, oh, oh, okay. So I said, yeah, that's all I was doing. I mean, these people don't even see this as negative information. They're from the outside world. They don't even think of this as a threat or some kind of danger, okay? So, you know, don't worry about it. It's just the stats of the show. <clears throat> They're used to that, right? But then I went further, as I, as I do, right? I, I told them that I understood what he meant by um, a, uh, a positive post about how to be positive within the group, right? That's what he wanted me to be. He wanted me to be positive. It's a supporter's show and you know that's a it's a supporters group and you know that's a valid point total valid point the way i show support is a little bit different than they want me to show support they think that i'm attacking but they don't know that my definition of criticism is uh the holding of uh some activity to its stated standard if it says this particular standard you can expect that, and if you don't get that, if it doesn't meet your expectations, then that's the source of criticism, not because you want to destroy it, be- but because you want to make it better, and you want it to be constructive. You want it to cause the person or activity to go back to its stated ideals or standards. That's the purpose of criticism. So, I, but I believe me, I know the definition that he was wanting me to have of positive, I know that so I decided to test him and I asked him so uh what if I posted something about how you know I'm I'm an ex-scientologist and I never believed in pedophilia uh when I was in and uh he said to me you know that's a that's a big argument I have with Leah too I said really <laughs> and he said yes I took that up with Leah <clears throat> I told her that Scientology didn't believe in pedophilia, even though you know she said she didn't. He didn't tell me how it was brought up or anything about the conversation. He just said it was brought up, and then he said, and we just agreed to disagree about that. And he, I think, he then did say that you know her point is they were guilty of pedophilia. So there you go. Aaron Smith Levin got his first pounding, probably right there. He's he's beginning to see that. If you disagree, if you've got another viewpoint about, um, you know, how to criticize Scientology or how to see your own time in Scientology or uh, any of the things that an ex-Scientologist is concerned with, it's got to be in a particular way, okay, to be an anti-Scientologist. It can't be in just any old way. You can't just assume any old viewpoint. You have to assume the anti-Scientology viewpoint on all of it. I knew that. I knew that this is what he meant by uh, being positive. So I knew that my time there was very limited and that I should make it count. So I asked him at this point, I said, so should we never um, bring this up? And he said, "Uh, hey, you know, you know, if you wrote something like, and then he wrote about four or five sentences of a post and all I had to do, he didn't say, post this, okay, but he said, if you wrote something like that, I think it'd be a great discussion. I think it'd be freaking awesome. So <laughs> I did. I did. I Like within 15 minutes of getting off of the direct messaging with him, I, uh, I posted that. I took his sentences and I modified them with four or five different words to make it look like my own case and that he didn't write it. And then I posted it. And it, again, an extremely lively discussion ensued. Within an hour, 22 people had liked it, including, including Sarah Goldberg, Terry Gamboa, and Aaron Smith-Levin himself. And then Aaron Smith-Levin got on and just started uh, going, you know, answering questions, doing things.